Welcome to the Luminous Podcast, weekly meditations, readings, and blessings to assist with our rest, peace, and spiritual wellness. You can find out more at LuminousAnglican.com. Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You have a seat. Uh, at his Father's Day, I wanted to start out uh, telling a story about my dad. Um, many of you know I'm the second youngest of nine. Uh, my dad was 48 when I was born. And so when I was in high school, I had an old dad. He was probably in his mid-60s and uh, hanging out with us. Um, he was a jokester. Um, he got us in trouble many, many times. Uh, I remember one time, uh, my brother and I, who was two years younger than me, played golf with him. There's a little par three course in our town. and just to kind of give you a, a, a picture of the quality of golf, I think it's the only time we've ever golfed together, and it's like one of the five times I've golfed in my life. So it wasn't a great round. Um, I mean, and probably, to be honest, my dad probably supplied apples to the guy for free, and we got a free round. I don't know what it was, but we were there golfing. And uh, my brother and I were probably 15, 17, and my dad. Um, and so one, we were at this one um, tee box, and my brother and I are standing there waiting for him, and my dad's walking up. And all of a sudden, like, he hunches over, and he, like, shuffles his feet. And, dad, what are you doing? Like, it's just, you know, he would just do these, these weird things. Comes up to the tee, and he's, he's going to tee off, puts, his, puts the ball down, takes this huge swing, misses the ball, spins around like twice and falls flat on his back. My brother and I just start laughing at him because it's, you know, that, that's just what he did. He was a joke like that. And then we realize this tee box is visible from the sidewalk in our town. And so I don't know if he did this on purpose, but basically, like, there's these people looking at these two, you know, teenagers laughing at this old guy laying on the ground. Um, so I don't know if it was a joke of him falling or the joke of him setting us up to be looked at suspiciously. But in any event, that was my dad. Um, and I actually tell you that story to tell you this one. Um, the Romans passage we read today was actually the passage that we had read at our, at our uh, wedding. And being Bible students, you know, graduates, we had to have something like theologically meaty. We, you couldn't just go with like Corinthians 13. It had to be something that was, had some depth to it. Um, no, we love that passage, and just and I'll, I'll get into a little more later, but um, that was a passage to be read, and my dad actually did the reading. And so my dad, as he's walking up, you know, he walks up, the lectern was near the, all, where all the guys were standing, so all my friends were there who knew him. And as he's walking by, he just leans over the guys, he goes, I need a drink. And my dad did not drink ever, and so, like, everyone knew that, and so, like, you basically, like, it's supposed to be this, like, beautiful time of reading this great passage, and all the guys are just laughing at my dad. So, um, that was my dad. But uh, the passage, though, um, I love that, that this kind of fell in this week um, because it's, it's a passage we've kind of held on to as, as in our married life. Um, and I, I mean, we love kind of this, this idea of being in this place of grace, as it says in the beginning, right? that we are brought into this place through our faith in Christ, and we stand. Um, we actually read, I know this is kind of heretical, we read the New Living Translation at our wedding, and it talks about being, being brought to a position of, of, of great um, privilege to be to stand in this in this space of grace with God. And to me, it, it kind of, for us, it was, the picture was that, like, our wedding wasn't a destination, it was a jumping off point, if you will. Um, and I feel like in this passage as well, this is not, this place of grace we're in is not a destination, but it's a jumping off point. Um, this passage actually is a transition, in, 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 as Paul is going through Romans, between Paul talking about justification, being about how, how Christ's death on the cross has justified us in God's eyes. And now he's going to transition and talk about sanctification, which is you know, our, the process of us working that salvation and what it means to grow and to, and to work into that and lead into that. 
It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Um, and it's, it's kind of these two paths of, you know, now that we're in this place of grace, that we're in this place, this, this place of privilege, what do we do with that? How do we handle that? How do we walk that out? And there's one that's, that's that, you know, it's the, the green season of growth, the green season of, this is, this is what we're doing. These are what we're put steps and feet and legs to our, to our faith. Um, and there are benefits now and there are benefits later. Um, but then, you know, sometimes we choose not to. Um, and, and there are, you know, We'll have stress now, and, and like, like Paul says later, he says, you know, you'll, you'll, enter, you'll enter heaven as one escaping the fire. So it's on our, it, it kind of behooves us to kind of walk through these processes and to walk through these processes together. Um, back in my Bible school days, I, I really, I love passages like this, that are kind of like the this and then this and then this and kind of leading together. Uh, there's a great one in 2 Peter um, 1, 3 to 9. It's very similar, but it says, you know, for this reason, make every effort to support your faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with endurance and endurance with godliness and godliness with affection and affection with love. And so again, it's just this, like, these, these steps we can take to build and to grow. Um, and now, I mean, I, I, I just read last year um, Atomic Habits. We read that book. Um, and it talks about the process of habit stacking. If you haven't heard this, it's basically if you want to develop a new habit, you would, you would attach that habit to a habit you like for me in the morning, we talked talked before about how I like to get outside and have 10 minutes of light in the morning, and that's attached to when I journal, and then when I'm done with that, we take a walk, and when we're done with that, we make the bed. And I, the last one, I'm, I'm struggling with a little bit, but I'm getting better at it. So I'm like, like to, it's basically the process of just like one leads to the one leads to the other, and 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 so on. Um, and so I feel like. Um, and I mentioned this before, when I, when I read like the Atomic Habits or something like that, and, and I see kind of it matching up with scripture, the wisdom of scripture kind of undergirding kind of the wisdom of the, of the day, I find that a beautiful uh, confluence on my mind and just, and just how that can work out. And in fact, last time I spoke, I don't, you may not remember, um, if you do, bonus points, but um, I, I spoke on, on rhythms and on how our external can affect our internal. So the rhythm of, of Sabbath, the rhythm of the daily daily office, different rhythms and practices we do, uh, like the sun 10 minutes in the morning, which if you haven't heard of this before, it's life-changing. Um, it really does, it lifts your mood, it changes, it's fantastic. Um, but the little things we can do, kind of externally, if you will, um, to affect ourselves and our moods and kind of our walks in that, in that way. Um, in this passage, we're, we're, we kind of flip that, where we have the internal process of the external. And how that what we kind of walk out, how we work out this salvation, how we walk this sanctification and build, it can really affect how we kind of walk. And like that, I read another book this year that's fascinating. It's called The Expectation Effect. If you haven't read it, it's kind of fascinating in psychology. It's, it's pretty interesting. It talks about how basically when you set up an expectation,
one they started making was a four egg omelet. Like basically, here's what you're gonna have. And they gave everybody a three egg omelet. And then they asked them later, like when you felt hungry. People who were shown a two egg omelet were hungry way sooner than anybody else. The three egg omelet guys landed in the middle. And the people who were shown a four egg omelet went much longer without feeling hungry. So just the visual, like just seeing something um, can affect. And this is the last one I promise. Um, I was telling this to, to a friend, and he was like, oh, yeah, when I was in, I was in a swim team, um, we were fooling around before practice one day, and we were seeing how many laps you could do underwater without taking a breath. And we were doing like four, five, six. And this one guy came late, and so he's like, oh, I'm going to try. So he jumps in, did like five laps. He comes out and goes, well, that's really hard. He goes, what's the record? And some guy on the team said 11, just kind of, you know, jokingly. He's like, okay, let me try again. So he tries again, and he does 12. And again, it's just that, like, if, if you think it's possible, if, if we have set up an expectation of this is what will, will happen, uh, so often um, we're able to overcome and do, and do incredible things. Unfortunately for us in this passage, this beautiful habit stacking, beautiful cycle, uh, starts with affliction. It starts with real suffering, which most of our Christian life is, seems like it is that way. And to me... Um, when we're starting here, kind of the fascinating thing is is the effect of, of suffering affliction on, on us as well. And both the, you know a lot of the books that, that you've read on different things, they talk about this and they talk about like the stress the stress cascade, if you will, um, how like we basically you know one thing leads to another and it's just this downward downward cycling of stress in our lives over whatever it can be. Um, in the expectation effect, they talk about how, like, when you're doing something physical, our body actually shuts down sooner than it needs to in order to protect our, protect it. And actually, to, like, the body wants, okay, let's, just in case a bear attack happens in an hour, let's not push ourselves too hard right now. And so that's what I talked about, like, when they're training elite, ath- elite athletes, they're actually able to push a lot further because they kind of learn, okay, I'm actually not done right now. I actually have more reserve and I can go further. Um, and the same happens, actually, under stress, is that our brains start to shut down. And so, um, when you, ex- when you experience extreme stress, the brain, it, you overtax your brain, which is a muscle, and it, it uses, you know, glucose like everything else. And so it's, it basically says, okay, that's enough. Let's, let's just shut down now and wait in case something else happens later. And it's amazing that, like, if you, if you read people who, who work with people in poverty or with chronic health issues, they say one of the first things we have to do before we can even attack that issue is to get out of that, that stress cycle. Because otherwise, there's just, if you've ever, if you've ever been in this, you'll, you know what I'm talking about. For me, it's like on a small scale, it's if I have way too much to do. Like I can't do anything. You know, there's a paralysis that sets in when my, when my disaster is so huge. Um, or if you've ever, you know, if you've ever struggled with health, um, the death of a loved one, um, financial, financial stress. If you've been that, you know the feeling of just, I, you literally almost can't move. Your body starts to shut down, your brain starts to suffer. But it's in this area that, that, that interestingly, in this, in this passage, you know, he says, go from, go from struggle to produce endurance, to walk through it. The struggle leads to endurance. And the, the thing that I, that I love here, too, is that it's not, in this whole thing, I just want to mention this here, is that this is not a formula for ridding yourself of struggle in your life, right? He doesn't say, at the end of this, you'll no longer struggle. This is something that happens in the midst of struggle. And the struggle may be ongoing. It may be a chronic health issue that's with you for the rest of your life. It may be a struggle you have that's with you for the rest of your life. But the fact is that we can, we can actually, with this cycle of building endurance, character, then to hope, 
um, we can have these things in the midst of not at the not not like we don't have to, to to wrap that up and be done. And so building in, I feel like this this cycle kind of builds in a growth perspective for us. Um, and I I love that that the calendar gives us this this long green season of growth because it's kind of focusing on who we are in Christ and kind of working out this salvation. Um, when I was uh, growing up, I grew up in a really small town, and we didn't have a big enough high school to have a football team. It was too expensive, and we didn't have enough guys. So we played soccer. But the problem was we didn't have a lot of soccer coaches in that small town. And so I remember my JV coach came to us like the first day of practice and was like, I don't know soccer, but I know conditioning. And so we're going to run. And that's what we did. I mean, like three-quarters of our practice was just running. We just ran and ran and ran. Um, but the amazing thing was that it actually worked because the second half we came out and we were still firing up and everybody else kind of falling behind and things opened up and, you know, our unskilled country boys were scoring goals on all these guys. Um, but it's amazing to, you know, when, when, you, when you experience something like that where it's, it's that, like that euphoria on the other side of, of endurance. You know, people talk about the runner's high. I've never experienced it. I don't really want to experience it. Um, the closest I can come is a backpacker's high where it's a, like a long trail for the day and like you just feel really good. Um, of course, the next day is raining all day and it's a backpacker slog, so it's, it's worse. Um, but kind of that ability to carry on, that ability to, to um, look past the current, what, the current pain you're in to, to what God has promised us down the road um, is a beautiful thing. Um, one of the challenges, though, I think, too, is often we get stuck in the endurance mode. At times we go, okay, so this, we're going to endurance, and, and we kind of take this on as like almost like a badge. Like, I, I've got to endure this, and I'm going to carry it with me. I'm going to, um, you know, like, like if I'm busy, that's my, that's my badge of honor. You know, that's one of the things I'm working. That's one of my new habits is to not say I'm busy. Was the last how your week was because I I am very very guilty of that. Um, but not to take on this this mantle of oh my gosh I'm so stressed I'm so busy whatever. But to but to see it as a process to work through rather than a place to sit. Um, I guess I'm doubly cursed because I found out that our our family motto for the Nesbits is I bide it, which I didn't know what it was. I'm like that sounds kind of cool. I looked it up and it's in Scottish. It's basically I endure it. So I'm like, that's, that's a great way to think about, you know, my family, yeah, great. We're just a bunch of endurers who just kind of, whatever happens, we'll endure it. But, you know, lovely. Thank you for that. Um, but it's, it's kind of this, this place of, um, you know, I, like the, the runner high thing I mentioned quickly, but it's this place of, I think, I feel like endurance often is, is cleansing for me. Um, you know, when I have that massive to-do list, I just start, okay, I'm just going to plow through a few things. It's almost like four or five tasks in, or, you know, if you're backpacking, 10 miles in, like, your brain just kind of clears. Uh, and it kind of, there's a piece to that and, and, a, and, a, and a place where you can be like, okay, now I can actually look at what I'm trying to deal with and what I'm working through. Because then he says, endurance brings to us character. And character, um, I don't want to spend too much time on this one, but um, basically what comes to mind for me is just, you know, one of those things that when you have that little bit of clarity, can you look at and go, you know what, one of the reasons I am suffering is because I am a jerk in this area. Or, you know what I mean? Or whatever, where, where you find the friction of, in, in things, or you, you find this is what I'm doing that's causing me to kind of come back to this often, often again. You know, like learning, like one of the things that Becky's taught me is how to laugh at myself. I was horrible at that. But just to be kind of looser-handed with, with who I am and let, and let that go. Um, my, my story in that, and the one that I, you know, I'm kind of working through this is, um, I was... Like, in high school, I was ridiculously competitive. And then in college, I was kind of hyper-competitive. And then a few years after, it was a little less. And, and God, and there's a lot of 
there's a lot of points in my story that, that kind of talk to this and kind of how I kind of came out of from being this super competitive uh, type. But the one that I kind of st was struck with um, was uh, when we were in Chicago, we had friends that we did a, um, a monthly dinner with for the neighbors. And one of our neighbors was a guy that would just like, whatever story you told, he would tell a better story on that. He would top you, you know what I mean? And he would, when he ever talked to you, it was like, this is what I did, this is what I bought, this is the car I, like it just, it was just, he was out front with everything that he was doing and everything he was accomplishing and everything he had. And my friend who the, the couple we kind of co-hosted with, also a very competitive dude, but he said, one time we were kind of debriefing, he's like, you know what I did with um, that guy? I basically just, whenever I start a conversation with him, I basically in my mind say, you win. You know what I mean? Like, like you win and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna just, you know, I'm gonna be there for you and tell you how you've won and, and really encourage you in that. And that to me, I mean, it's a little thing, but for me it was groundbreaking. And that I wasn't, you know, so often we go into situations and you kind of size each other up like, well, I'm this or I'm that or I've got this. And to walk into a conversation and be able to just say, you win and just be there for that person um, was amazing for me. And it was one of those things where, you know, because we really just, just you know, loved on this guy and really encouraged him, you know, down the road, we get to have conversations about the pain that he's experienced, you know, and, and talk about his past and talk about what's really going on. Because often we, we mask with, my competitiveness masks the pain. And so when you get beyond that, um, it's beautiful to walk into that. And, and just this growth of character, this growth of, of ourselves and, you know, the, the growth of the season, I feel like it really heightens or harkens back to that, that place where we are living in that grace of God. And when we're confident in that, not necessarily in ourselves, but we're confident about being in that, in that place of grace. When we're confident in who we are and how we're moving and, and where God is leading us, then it, like, it's like the pastor says, it leads us to hope. And we're able to hold on to hope. So character is kind of a grounding and a perspective that gives us this place where we can say, okay, I'm in this grace and, and I have this hope. And I'm able then to really walk this out together um, with people. You know, and I think, again, I just want to point back to this is, I feel like it's just amazing that, and I think that this is one of the reasons that I love scripture is that if you were writing this, you probably wouldn't write it this way. If you're making it up, I should say, you probably wouldn't write it this way. of like, well, it starts a struggle and then it gets to hope. You know what I mean? It's just, you would, you would not, you would skip over that struggle part. But the struggle is what starts this chain. It starts this and it, and it runs through. You know, we often talk about how, you know, sometimes you hear in, you hear in, in religious circles that like, if you do A, then, then B. So if, if you have enough faith, you will avoid pain, you will avoid suffering, you will avoid all these things. And we talk about how, you know, and then if, if you are in pain or suffering, then someone's gonna come and say, well, what did you do? Are you not praying enough? Are, what, what is it that's causing you to be in these things? And we know that that's not the case, that A does not apply to B in that case. But I think the beautiful thing here is that in, in this chain, A does apply to B. You know, it's not true that where, where B is, it's true where, where, where our, our end goal is not to avoid suffering, but it's true our end goal is to have, to, to live in hope and to find that love. So at the end of all this, there's you know, the, the end that so many people are trying to avoid, the suffering and the thing, is actually the beginning of our journey to hope. We're not promised the absence of suffering or loss, but we are promised the presence of hope. We are not yet who we can become in this grace cycle. Um, 
the same friend that I had the conversation with about competition said, gave me this quote, and um, I, we still have it on our, on our uh, refrigerator as a magnet that he gave to us. And it said, it's never too late to be what you might have been, George Eliot said this. And when I read that, I read that again to, you know, in preparation of this, and it reminded me of, you may have heard this or not, but like, the best time to plant a tree, if you heard this, is 10 years ago, and the second best time is today. And I feel like that's a call for us as we enter this, the green season, is what can I do today that, that pulls me through this, this cycle of endurance and of hope, endurance and character and of hope and love? And how can I be someone who, you know, can engage with someone who is as competitive as I am, but, but, but be the person that steps back and, and, and opens that space for grace and for love to be able to hold each other? My love love is just, just to walk this season out together, to be in this space together. In, the, in this place of privilege where we are together in this group together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit if you would like more information or ways to be a part of Luminous please go to luminousanglican.com peace be with you <laughs>